Welcome to episode 10 of the Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build an online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Thanks for hanging out with me for a bit today on the show. We're going to talk about what I think is one of the missing pieces of business. I don't care what kind of business you are, online, offline, big or small, and that's selflessness. Selflessness. It's something that it's really near and dear to my heart. It is a core value of my business, if you want to use the business lingo. Uh, And it's something that I find actually very profitable, to use that word in its truest sense, for my business. So selflessness is actually good for me. So I want to break that down for you today. Uh, maybe you're not seeing the business growth you'd like. Maybe what we talk about today is the reason why. Maybe you're envious of someone else's growth and you don't know what their secret sauce is. Maybe they're using selflessness. This might sound a little strange, but either way, whether you're seeing the results you want, not seeing the results you want, this is deep into the ethos of my brands and I'm very, very passionate about this subject because I believe in the power of selflessness. And we have to bring this up because when you run a business, let's just look at America, for example, because I think America is both amazing and sad at the same time. American businesses are great examples of this, but this is true of businesses all over the place. You see this anywhere you look. When you run a business, whether you know it or not, whether you verbalize it or not, you are putting someone and something first, okay? We all are. We, we have to. Uh, we can't do all the things equally. And so we either, um, you know, subconsciously, in, unintentionally, or very intentionally, we have to prioritize and something comes to the top or someone comes to the top. Now, in America, a lot of times it's the shareholders that come to the top. Do whatever is in the best interest of the shareholders. If you don't know what a shareholder is, it's the people who dump money into a business. So I own a bunch of stock and a bunch of companies. I would be a shareholder. So a lot of times businesses in America are run in such a way that what will make shareholders happy, aka what will make the stock price go up? That's what we got to do. So they base their decisions on product and price and hiring and firing, expanding, you know, all of that based off what will make the shareholders happy. They're the priority. Sometimes it's the CEO and the executive team that are the priority. What will make us the most money? What will go to our bottom line the fastest? Um, Or just in general, the priority is profitability or profit any cost. Uh, When you're told that profit, you know, what you make, your income minus your expenses, what your profit is. If If you're told that profit is what matters in business, and yes, mathematically, that shows if your business is functioning in a healthy way, if you have profit. If you don't have profit, you don't really have much of a business. It's more of like a hobby. So, the problem is when we view profit as number one, we will do whatever it takes. Profitability as a goal without any boundaries or guardrails means do whatever it takes at any cost to increase profit. And 
that can lead to a lot of negative things. It can lead to underpaying employees. It can lead to slashing benefits. It can lead to making cheaper goods that don't last. Um, a whole host of awful things, right? If it leads to profit and profit is the ultimate goal. So that's why we have to analyze what is truly at the top of our priority list. And let's just talk to people like you and me. We're, we're small businesses, solo businesses, solopreneurs perhaps, whether you have a small team or no team. Generally speaking, we have put ourselves at the top of the pile. So we can come down on corporate America, big business, but in a way, we're the same way. Our natural state is selfishness. Our natural state is looking out for number one. So even in a benign way of, look, I need to put food on the table for my family, which is how I started my business. On food stamps, because I lost a job in the middle of the recession, I've blown through my savings, I still have a baby and a wife and a mortgage to pay for. I'm trying to freelance as much as I can, but I'm not making enough money in between gigs. What can I do to make more money? I am number one. My family is number one. That's all that matters. And that's all that mattered to me in those moments. So it's no different than corporate America. I was doing profitability at all costs. Now, granted, I wasn't doing anything illegal. That, that sometimes happens in corporate America, but the motive was the same. I was at the top, and so everything was funneled around that. Now, that's probably where 95% of us are. Knowingly, unknowingly, whatever. We just are looking out for ourselves. And so we're asking ourselves, how much money do I want to make? How can I make more money for myself? How can I work less so I'm freed up? It's all I, I, me, me. And that's, again, not a bad thing to some degree. I actually want to help you make more money. I actually want to help you work less. Uh, I believe in both of those things because I believe that life isn't found in working all the time. I feel like life is found outside of work as well as inside of work. So you want to work the appropriate amount, but not any more than that. And I believe that money is very, very important. You don't, you don't need more money just to buy more junk, but the more money you have, the more good you can do in the world. Money is very powerful. There's a lot of people and organizations that need funding, that need money. And so I'm a, a huge believer in making as much money as possible uh, within other confines um, and boundaries, because the more I make, the more I can give and impact the world. And that's a skill I have to make money. Not everybody has that skill. So if you and I have that skill as entrepreneurs, so I want to leverage that. So I'm all for you making more money. I'm all for you working less. I just want to posit a different way to make more money to work less, to achieve your goals. Instead of putting yourself at the top, which is what we're doing by default, unless we learn any other way, what if we put others at the top? What if we were selfless? Not just the, the way we carry ourselves, or the way we talk about ourselves. What if we actually ran our businesses in such a way that we were as selfless as possible, where we were putting ourselves further and further down the food chain. What am I talking about? Well, one of my favorite Bible verses of all time 
that has been the most instructive, helpful to me in all aspects of my life. And one of and, and this is one of the verses that my business, both businesses are really built on, uh, I think really brings a lot of insight into this. It's from the book of Philippians chapter two. It's verse three and four. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in the city of Philippi. And he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, This is a very intentional verse. And very specific. There's a lot in here. Okay, let's break it down. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Now, in the Greek, the words for selfish ambition, ambition is a bad translation in the English for us because we could say, well, isn't ambition a good thing, having a desire to accomplish something? Yes. The English transliterators, they, they translate it as selfish ambition, but really in the Greek, I believe it's one word that is very much how would I, would I would describe a lot of corporate America. It is like, I don't care about anybody else. It's wanting more than you need and manipulating and exploiting to get it. So it has a very negative connotation in the original Greek, right? And it's followed up by conceit, right? Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit. So that's like the negative that the Apostle Paul is painting. Like, that's how a lot of businesses are run. We're awesome. Our customers are idiots. They should just buy our stuff uh, and they should pay the higher prices. And you know who else are idiots? Um, our suppliers and distributors, like we're gonna pay them as little as possible. We got our we gotta get our margins as big as possible. We are the best, and they're lucky to even have us make this product, or they're lucky to even do business with us. And so there's conceit, there's selfish ambition. Okay. I know I'm speaking in generalities here, uh, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. These are the businesses that are, are portrayed in every movie that we've ever made as a culture as the bad guy, right? That's why business always gets such a bad rap. It's not because business is bad. Business is necessary for a thriving world and economy. Businesses give you jobs if you don't have your own business. It's just that there's the bad apples that they embody this first statement. They are doing everything, everything out of selfish ambition and conceit. And so they ruin it for the rest of us. And I get it. They are the bad guys. But we inherently do this ourselves, especially when we're desperate, especially when we need money like now. We'll do things out of selfish ambition and conceit because we're, there's pressure and it's like, whatever I got to do to make money. And that can be a good thing. I like to be motivated. I was highly motivated when I had no money, but it can be very dangerous. Here's the flip. Paul says, but in humility, humility literally means lowering yourself. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we actually lived this out, right? Do we actually believe that other people are more significant than us? We don't. We, 
we believe we are the most significant person in the universe. This is why marriages fall apart. This is why parent-child relationships fall apart from both sides, right? The kids think they're the most significant person in the world. That's how all kids are until they're taught otherwise or unless they're taught otherwise. They think they're the center of the universe and it is the parent's job to show them, no, you are not the center of the universe. If you go on believing that, you will become a brat and no one will ever want to play with you, hang out with you, be your friend, work with you, hire you, partner with you because you'll be a jerk. That's how you become a jerk when you think you're the center of the universe. Uh, and then the parents, they think they're the center of the universe. I'm a parent. I think I'm the center of the universe. I think I'm more significant than my kids. And so what I want is I want my kids to serve me, obey me, make my day go the way I want it to go. I want peace and quiet. I want you to please be peace and quiet. You know, be quiet. I need that peace. I want to be able to have the bedroom clean. I want you to clean the bedroom when I say clean the bedroom, right? I am putting myself at the center of the family and saying, serve me, you exist to serve me because I'm more significant than you. We all do this. We do this in marriage. We do this in friendships. You know, we, we operate and do things out of the assumption that we are the center. We are most significant. And this is especially true in our businesses. We do what's best for us we make decisions based off of what's best for us. And we certainly don't count other people more significant than ourselves. We maybe count them equal with ourselves, if that. Certainly not more significant. So that's a crazy statement that Paul's making. But then he qualifies it by saying, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. I think there's pushback when you talk about being selfless because there's, there is a way where you sacrifice yourself completely for everyone without taking care of yourself, without looking out for yourself at all. And there are some rare examples where I think that's actually very uh, commendable. Uh, but a lot of times it's people who don't think that they have any self-worth, and so they get their self-worth by just serving other people and making other people happy, and they just destroy their health or their relationships or whatever at the altar of serving everybody else, and that looks very noble on the surface, but it's dangerous to them because they're killing themselves. Or they, they'll do all the right things, quote-unquote, and resent everyone else that does this, right? I don't know if you follow the Enneagram, the Enneagram is a fascinating personality test, probably the most helpful personality test I've ever come across. But the Enneagram number two, there's nine personality types, number one through nine. And Enneagram type number two, um, that type, you know, across the board, this is just blanket statement, typically serves everyone and sees the need and is always meeting the need. And people like this type because they're super servants. They're super awesome. They're always bringing you a meal when you need a meal. They always know when you need help. They're the family that's always babysitting your kids, even though they got a thousand other kids. They're amazing people, but they see the needs, meet the needs, and then they resent the fact that no one sees their needs and meets their needs. So they're doing good things, but they're burning with resentment inside. And that's, that's not healthy either. So I think we have that one extreme of like, don't, you know, you should serve everybody and ask for nothing in return and just like sacrifice yourself for everybody else. And that can be very actually detrimental. That's when you look out only for the interests of others and you don't look out for yourself uh, and you just, you die on the vine. And so then there's pushback against that, which is, hey, take care of yourself, man. You got to look out for you if you want to be of any help to other people. And there is some truth to that too, right? When you're on an airplane and you've got kids next to you, the flight attendant says, hey, during the whole safety briefing, 
if we lose cabin pressure and the oxygen mask falls, what should you do? Put on your mask first before assisting the small children. Because if you pass out because you don't have any oxygen, you're of no use to your kids. So there is some fundamental strategy in making sure that you're taking care of yourself. But what we do is we swing against that. And it's like, dude, forget all those people. You look out for you. Who cares what they need? You, they're looking out for themselves. You got to look out for yourself. That's we're We are deep in that culture, at least here in America. There's so much of that. So much of self-help, so much of even podcasts, so much of it is just how can you do you and do you better? Forget what other people say. Forget what their needs are. Forget if they disagree with you or don't support you. Just do you, boo. There's so much of that. And that's not good either. That goes back to the beginning of this verse, doing things out of selfish ambition and conceit. It's all about you. So I love how Paul qualifies this like, hey, look out for your own interests. Let each of you look out not only to his own interests. So he's saying it's good to look out for your interests, right? It's good that I put food in my body and like take care of my family and like take a bath, right? But he's saying, but also to the interest of others. So it should be both. So that's more of like a qualifying statement. So what is it? What does this all mean? Okay. Why is this relevant to business, Graham? This is super relevant to your business. If you can become others focused, if you can shift the focus from yourself, which is where it probably is right now. What do I need? What do I want? What are my desires? What are my struggles? That's just where we are naturally. I'm not calling you out. It's just where we all are by default. It's the human condition. If we can shift that focus from there to others focused, what could happen in our business? What if we actually counted others more significant than ourselves? Well, there's some tremendous benefits to you as a business owner. One, I'm big into content. You should be making content, free content, on the web, somewhere, every week, regularly. What I'm doing right here, this is free content. Okay. There's a reason why I do this. This is so critical to your brand. Um, if you are others focused, it helps you make content that people want to consume and share. If you're frustrated with your content game, if you're putting out content and you're like, it's not working. It could be that you're at the very beginning and it's hard because there's just not a lot of eyeballs. There's a lot of friction at the beginning of any brand. So it could be that you're just stuck there and it, just give it some time and you'll get there. It could be though that your content is just pretty crap. Why would it be crap? It's not that you want to make bad stuff. It's not that you want to release bad content. You probably worked hard on it, but maybe it's because you're focused on yourself and what kind of content you want to make and you're not thinking about what kind of content do people want to consume. And you know this by interacting with other human beings in your niche and in your topic, finding out where they're at, finding out what their real felt needs are, their problems. What do they say the problem is? What is really underneath the surface of the problem? What are their desires? What are their hopes and dreams? What would they, if they could wave a magic wand or snap your fingers and have something done, what would they want done? You, you got to find that out. When you find that out, you will become a content machine that pumps out content that people are like, oh my gosh, like I get this a lot in the recording revolution or even here. I got this emailed two weeks ago or someone DM'd me. Oh my gosh, you're reading my mind. 
It's like you're reading my mind. This is exactly what I, I was looking for, exactly what I needed to hear. That comes from trying to be as in tune with my audience as possible, putting, counting them more significant than me. What would they want? What are they typing into Google? What are they, what, I'm instead of, instead of sitting around thinking about myself all day today, let me sit down and think about my, my audience, my, uh, my customer avatar, the ideal person. What are they thinking about? What are they struggling with today? What do they need help with? It gives you better content ideas. And when it's good content, people share it. When they share it, you grow, okay? Two, when you're other, uh, others focused instead of self-focused, you build products people want to buy and products people rave about. Oh my gosh, the product game is so, is so critical. I've made this mistake. I've made products that I wanted to make that I thought would be super awesome and they've been okay. You know, I'm good enough at sales copy. I'm good enough at marketing that I can sell just about anything that I make. But I know the difference when something is a hit and something's just kind of like a dud, okay? And every time I've had a dud, it's usually because I built a product in a vacuum, despite the fact that I know better. I just built what I wanted to build. Like when you have business ideas and product ideas, and you're like, I want to build that, and then I want to build that, and then I want to build that, bro. Good luck. Good luck. That's you being self-focused. That's you making what you want to make. And I've, I've done it. I've done it. Now, scratching your own itch is one thing. If you are aware of like your problems and your problems are the same problems as your target market because you are your target market and that's been confirmed, then that might be a clue as to what a product should be. You should still test the idea. You should still validate it. But when you're really in tune to what others want, when you're like super heightened focused, like what would make their life better? What do they need to flourish in life? Forget what I need to flourish in life. I'll, I'll get what I need to flourish in life if I do this right. If I'm selfless enough, if I'm counting other people as more significant than myself, if I'm looking out to their interests as well as my own, and I'm not doing things out of selfish ambition or conceit, then what is it that they want? I could build that for them. Even if it's not what I thought I wanted to make, what is it that they want? My wife's a good example. She has um, a subscription site uh, where she sells stock photography based off of a subscription. And the initial version of the product was more like a box subscription. You would join, pay a certain amount per month, and you would get uh, a fixed number of images delivered to your inbox every month. And they'd be, they're social media images that you can use for your brand as a, uh, on social media. And so she would curate a collection, a fixed amount of collection of really, really good images. And people love her work. And that's why they joined. People love her work. And these were, it was lower cost. It was a way to get more images. It was a good value. So she got a lot of people who joined initially. But then people kept saying, you know, I can't use all the images. Not all of them are my, my color palette. I'm not a fan of all of them. So I feel like I'm maybe using a handful of the images in the box. Is there any way I could pick my images? Is there any way I could pick? Is there any way I could pick? Any way I could pick? And that's what everybody really wanted. They wanted to pick their own images. And for, for a variety of reasons, the technology, uh, a lot of things, it, it was a little fundamentally too hard for her to set that up in that moment. And she was frustrated because she's like, this is not what I wanted to do. I wanted to, this is her speaking, I wanted to send them this curated selection of images every month. That's what I wanted this membership to be. But we knew within the first five months that that's not what people wanted. People like her, they like her product, but they wanted it to come in a different format. They wanted to be able to pick the images, right? Which may sound obvious to you as a consumer, but again, the conversations we were having was, that's not what I want. That's what she would say. 
but we would both agree, but it's what your customers want. It's what, that's how they want to interact with you and your product. And so we decided to, to move the model, change the model fundamentally to a, uh, an unlimited catalog of images, much like Netflix. As long as you're a subscribing member, you get access to all the stuff. And so they can pick and choose whatever they want. And it'd be an ever-growing catalog of images. And she had a hard time with that mentally. And then physically, once she came about, it was, it was a lot of work to pull that off technically in the back end. It was a very different back end product. We had to almost build something from scratch. Uh, and it's been hodgepodge together. And she's getting a custom build right now as we speak that's going to make it even better. But we've been able to rock it for a year plus, um, even with the, the duct tape solution. And you know what? Her product took off. Her product took off. So she probably went from a couple hundred subscribers to over a thousand subscribers. So she 5X her revenue, um, was actually able to even charge more for newer people. I think she grandfathered people in at the old rate. Everyone was happier. They're getting way more value. They're getting exactly what they want. We had to suffer in doing the extra work and, and finding out a solution and spending some money to make it work. But she was rewarded by 5X the results. Like, that's 5x the reoccurring revenue for her by listening to what people wanted and putting their interests above her own. It would have been easier to not change, but she actually benefited from it. Another benefit to being others-focused is you build relationships with your competitors in your industry and you grow your network. Okay? We just talked about this a few episodes ago. I think episode six. You don't have competition. You have collaborators if you choose to view them that way. So it's not just your customers and your audience that you put their interest above your own. It's your competition. You put your competition's interests above your own. This is crazy. I can't think of many businesses in America that put their competition's interest above their own. But can you imagine the amount of brand loyalty and, and networking that would happen if you just put other people in your niche who do similar things to you, put their interests at least equal to yours, but counted them more significant than yourselves. If you made friends with them, if you if you offered to serve them, this is all stuff we talked about in that episode. So go listen to episode six, but you benefit when you are tightly connected to everyone in your niche who could be your enemy, but now they're your friend. There's so many benefits that come out of this they're hard to quantify in the early days, in the early uh, years, but man, I'd rather have everyone in my niche have my back, even if they don't want to be my buddy, than to fight me tooth and nail. So again, putting your competition's interest above your own is super beneficial to you. I've gotten uh, guest appearances on, on shows that have big audiences because I've made friends. I've gotten affiliate deals where we've been able to sell People have sold my products to their audiences. I've sold their products to my audience. It's got a cut off of something that they built. I've been able to partner with people who uh, have credibility and knowledge but don't have the audience. And so let, let's just partner instead of like saying, no, this is my thing. And like, I figure out what is it that you want? You need to make money in a different way. There's producers that I've worked with that they have their one or two income streams in the actual production. But I'm thinking about how could I offer them money? What could I do for them? I could get them in front of my audience and they could teach about what they know and we could sell a, a webinar or a course or both and make them a ton of money. All of this comes by friendships and I, I just I just benefit. I've gotten so much benefit out of having partners. 
I've had so many friendships in the industry where I just learn stuff from them. They like, they give me a tip on a new piece of software or a new way of doing something, or they, they check out my products and courses and give me feedback. Like they could be competitors, but instead they're my friends. And I've benefited in so many ways just by trying to count them as more significant than myself. This is very hard to do. But again, if you don't believe in competitors and you believe in collaborators, episode six, this will help. And then fourth and final reason that you benefit or way you benefit from counting others as more significant than yourselves and putting them and their interest before your own, you just sleep better at night. You just sleep better at night. Why? Why do you sleep better? Because you know that you're working and living with integrity. It's just better. You're less stressed when you're just serving people. When you're not worried about you getting yours, when you're not worried about you getting what you need, when you're not doing what everyone else is doing, which is hustling, and I hate that word, such an awful word, and I hope you don't use it. If you use it in your vocabulary, stop, stop hustling is all about selfishness. It's all about looking out for number one. It is doing busy work with indiscriminate thinking, pushing and pushing, fighting your way in, doing whatever it takes, berating your audience, selling all the time in ways that are manipulative or just overbearing or just stupid. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. My business model is, is different. It's, it's others focused. Do I get this right 100% of the time? No, I don't. But fundamentally, underneath my business, I've set it up in such a way that I win as long as I'm putting other people first. I got to think of what content they want, not what's just the easiest for me to do not just what I'm interested in, but what they truly would find valuable. I gotta make products that they want, not just what I think is fun, not just what I think would sell well or what I think I can price high or low and get many people in whatever your strategy is. I've got to look out for my competitors and serve them in ways that most people wouldn't like. All of this forces me to serve other people and I benefit on the back end. I don't have to push, don't have to hustle. But man, it, it, is, it is a shift in, in how you view the world. So my question for you is, hey, do you buy into any of this? I hope you do. Two, Where do you see yourself being conceited? Where do you see yourself operating out of selfish ambition? Again, goal setting, having a desire to replace your day job income, having a desire to better your family's life, having a desire to reach a certain income level as a financial goal, be it six figures or beyond. That's not bad. That's not being selfish. I love goals. We're all trying to build something cool here. 
And ultimately, I get it. We're trying to take care of our families and better our lives. So maybe you think this is semantics and weird. But in your day-to-day, when you're working, are you just bashing the computer keyboard and getting on social media and just pushing and pushing and pushing and just fighting for profit at any cost? Are you doing that? What would it look like for you to put your audience and followers first, to put your customers first, to put your competitors first? Even if you come up with one way for each of those, what's one thing you could do this week to put your your audience or your followers first, the people that just consume your free stuff? What's one way you could put them first this week? And then what's one way you could put your customers first this week? And what about your competitors? Maybe there's one one in particular that comes to mind when you're listening to this. Is there one way you could put them first? Count them more significant than yourself this week. This isn't easy. This isn't fast. This is a worldview. This is a way you look at the world. But I'm telling you, if you do this, you'll be more successful. You'll grow. You'll grow, man. And you know it to be true. Like, think about someone in your life, a friend, family member, or just a person you admire who's super selfless, super giving, super generous. Picture that person in your mind. Who's somebody right now you can think of in your life that you know that is always putting others first with a smile, that is never talking about themselves, They're always talking about others. Picture that person. What do you think about that person? Do you like that person? Do you like spending time with that person? Do you support that person? Would you almost do anything for that person? Yeah. Because that person's magnetic. Selfless, generous people are magnetic. Ergo, selfless, generous brands are magnetic. We all want to attract more followers and customers, and we all want to be well thought of. We're just going about it the wrong way. We're hustling our way there. Why? Because someone told us to. It's bad advice. Serve your way there. Count others more significant your way there. Ride the humility train. Lower yourself so that others can be elevated. That's the way to grow your brand, grow your business, grow your network and your influence, and ultimately reach the goals that you have for you, your family, and the world around you. That's it for today, my friend. Thanks for going deep with me a little bit, philosophizing a little bit. Thanks for uh, processing this with me. I hope you apply it. I hope you think on it. Let me know what you think. Leave me a review on iTunes. Let me know what you think of the show, the episode in particular. And if there's any way I can better serve you, 
please don't hesitate to ask. Have a great day. Best of luck as you serve others and count the more significant than yourself. We'll see you on another episode real soon.